0: Hello and welcome to Interlude, Women's Cancer Stories with Dr. Toplinski. I am a medical oncologist and I specialize in treating women with breast and gynecologic cancers. I started this podcast to share the journeys and experiences of women who are living with cancer. The information discussed on this podcast is not meant to serve as any medical advice as each woman has a different treatment and experience. It is meant to create a dialogue Any personal medical questions should be directed to your healthcare team. Cancer brings normal life to a halt. It creates an interlude. Let's talk about it. Today my guest is Tina Conrad. Tina was 37 years old and had just gotten married when she was diagnosed with stage 3 breast cancer. She had a double mastectomy, chemotherapy, radiation, and is now on treatment with tamoxifen and zolidax. She is a five-year cancer survivor, a runner, a yogi, and an incredible writer, and so much more. She started her own podcast called DJ Breast Cancer, which is essentially a girlfriend's guide to breast cancer. In it, she shares her journey in hopes of helping others. She joins me today. Welcome, Tina. I'm so excited to hear your story.
1: Yes. um, I'm currently a five-year breast cancer survivor. I was diagnosed in 2013. Um, I am currently um, have a podcast called DJ Breast Cancer that is kind of that girlfriend's guide um, to helping others going through breast cancer. My mom actually is a two-time breast cancer survivor. You know, I've just really been impacted
0: by breast cancer since about two thousand one. So it's definitely impacted my family for for many many years. What made you decide to name it DJ Breast Cancer?
1: Um, I mean, that was like a few cocktails at a bar and uh, (laughs) a few, a few, uh, options one and two were thrown out. But, um, I mean, I think I really just wanted to speak about breast cancer. And so just, um, definitely, you know, not necessarily remixing songs or whatever, but just like shouting, you know, how it made me feel and and trying to include others in the conversation.
0: That's great. And it's such a good way to share your story and to give back. Can you talk a little bit about how you were diagnosed initially?
1: Yes. So um, I was married for about um, like five months, um, and I had just gotten promoted about the same time um, to um, a new job, like a divisional merchandise manager job. And then um, I had noticed right right around the time of my wedding, actually, that my um, right nipple had started kind of like recessing. Okay. I basically thought it was just old age, which is kind of crazy. Cause I was 37, but in my mind, it wasn't a lump. Um, my mom had always had lumps, you know, so I knew about breast exams and I'd had mammograms, you know, at the age of 30 and 33, but it was a change that like, didn't go away. Um, so after like a few months I did say like, well, I think I need to go talk to my OBGYN and get this figured out. Um, So, you know, that was a, they wanted another mammogram. um, And that mammogram led to
0: an ultrasound and a second mammogram. And you mentioned that your mom also has breast cancer. Was she dealing with the diagnosis and treatment at that time as well?
1: No, she was diagnosed, um, I think about 10 years prior to me. So she was also young. She was 46 when she was first diagnosed. And then it came back again when she was 49. Um, and we actually have different kinds of breast cancer, if you can believe it. Um, Hers is triple negative, and uh, mine is estrogen positive. Okay.
0: And when you were told that you had breast cancer, what was going through your mind?
1: I I mean, obviously, you know, hearing those words, you have cancer, it's, I mean, I try to say it's like a line of innocence is just drawn, you know, it's, it's Mm -hmm. life changing. But you know, I did try really hard to just remain calm and, like, stay positive and really focus on just getting myself better. Um, it was really hard for my mom at the time because she she felt guilty, you know. So I ended up finding out from my aunt that, like, she was really, like, struggling, you know, with my diagnosis. So pretty early on, like, I, I had a conversation with my mom and I just said, like, hey, I are you, you know, do you blame yourself? And, and she actually said she did. So it was, you know, it was a lot of just frank conversation that I was like, I, I can't worry about you, you know, at this time, like I, we just have to focus all our energy on getting getting me back. Um, so from that point forward, we really just kind of, that's what we did.
0: No, I think that's very important to have that open and honest conversation. So otherwise it kind of just, it's not addressed. Yes. What about your marriage?
1: It was really hard I mean um it's not how anybody wants to spend you know their first year of marriage. Um, but I will say like it it brought us closer and you know we you really you know the whole sickness and in health you know is really challenged you know from the from the very beginning and you know, my husband rose to the challenge you know so he just found ways to... To try to make me feel beautiful, you know, t- even with my bald head and you know not feeling well, um, and then we tried to do activities, you know, that were still us, you know, whether it was going for a walk in our neighborhood or, you know, when I was well, you know, going out to dinner, doing things that we like to do before.
0: What did treatment look like for you? I did um, uh, in total sixteen
1: rounds of chemo, so four of the Adriamycin, cytoxin um, every two weeks. And that started, um, you know, short, shortly thereafter my diagnosis. And then I did, um, 12 rounds of, um, um After that I did, um, and I had a mastectomy actually prior to chemo. Okay. And then I did, um,
0: 25 rounds of radiation. So you did mastectomy, uh, one side or both?
1: Um, I did, I did both. One was, a. um, you know, like a
0: complete, you know, Mm -hmm. and then also,
1: also lymph nodes taken out on that side. Um, I think 15 lymph
0: nodes removed as well. Can you talk about your decision to have the other breast removed?
1: Yeah, I think given my mom's history um, and then, you know, my cancer too, and and at the time I probably didn't know all the information, but my, my uh, cancer was lobular and ductal Um, Mm -hmm. So lobular can obviously, you know, move to the other breast pretty easily. Um, But I just, I don't know. I just was in a place with my mom's history. I just didn't want to, like, deal with it anymore.
0: So you had mastectomy, chemotherapy, radiation. And what was after that?
1: Um, After that, I did some tattooing on my nipples um to get them you know just cosmetically um done and then um from there it was just it being estrogen positive i take you know a pill daily of tamoxifen and then um at some point um, my oncologist had gone to gone to like a conference and had found out about like the zoladex shot and in younger patients you know working quite well um with it being responsive and estrogen positive so he had recommended that as well. So I've been doing that, um, about four years and then tomorrow's been about four and a half.
0: So a lot of people talk about how, you know, they go through chemo and it really takes a long time to recover and kind of feel back to being yourself. What was your experience like?
1: Um, most definitely. I mean, I, I remember celebrating, like, you know, when I ran my first mile, you know, after chemo, which was about a month afterwards. Um, but I think to feel completely normal, like you just felt like yourself, it it probably was beyond a year. And now it's like hard to remember when that, you know, really happened. But I mean I was just out in Arizona, like with my in-laws and my father-in-law's like, that girl, she's got so much energy, you know, and it's it's nice to feel that again, like feel like I am who I was before cancer. And you kind of take that for granted but you also kind of feel like, will I ever get back there? And it's just a really long, slow build.
0: Were there any tips or tricks or anything that you use to help you kind of feel back to, you know, so-called normal?
1: I do think moving is important. Um, and so whether that's yoga, whether that's walking, um, you know, whatever feels comfortable for your body. Um, and obviously talked, talking to your doctor about it, but I mean, I did a yoga tape every single day of my, um, like my medical leave. And it was just a tape at home that I did. I popped in a DVD. It's called gentle yoga. And like, I felt like a real piece of like, you know, peace and serenity by doing that. And then, you know, when I couldn't always walk every single day of chemo, but as soon as I could, I did, you know, and I would walk as far as I could walk. Um, and then it was like the polar vortex crazy year. So I couldn't, always walk, but, you know, I tried to always
0: keep moving. Did you work during chemotherapy? So at the
1: time of my cancer, I was, um, working in retail as a divisional merchandise manager. And it was a really tough decision to keep working or not keep working. And at one point, my oncologist, you know, he had a very frank conversation with me and he said, you know, who, who's your advocate at work? And I said, well, you know, my boss really cares about me. And he said, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. Who's your advocate? And I said, well, I don't have one. And so then he was like, I strongly suggest that you take a medical leave. And at that point I felt, you know, I'm doing everything I can possibly do all the chemo, all the radiation, all the surgery, you know, everything. But am I really from like a mental state, you know, doing everything I can do? So that was really like a you know, a sign for me that I needed to slow down and just take a break. And and it was actually a beautiful time, like for me, just of like peace and self-discovery, really.
0: Yeah, I think it's really important to point that out, that we focus so much on the physical, but your mind and your the mind-body connection really needs that focus as well. So what did you do when you were not working?
1: It was actually really... Um, an amazing time. And, and my oncologist said, he gave me really good advice. And he said, do something every day that you love. And I, I, and that makes you happy. And I thought that that, you know, sounds so simple, but it was so easy to do. Um But sometimes it's hard to do, you know, so it was, um for me, it was doing yoga every day. Um And then I also, you know, I would try I tried new things. So like I made pizza from scratch, you know, made the bread dough and, you know, had fun with it. Um, I also did a lot of like arts and crafts and, you know, I made like a turban at one point, you know, so just different things um, just that were peaceful and like that I found, you know, joy in.
0: That's wonderful. And after you finished the chemotherapy and the radiation and kind of started getting back to so-called normal life, even though that's, there's really no such thing. What, what was that like?
1: That was a hard transition. And I remember, you know, writing a lot about it because I had changed, you know, and I don't know that I really was like ready for that yet, but like, I wasn't this crazy go-getter. Like I didn't want to work from sunup to sundown, you know, and spend all this time in, you know, boardroom meetings. You know, I, I needed more purpose. And so to find this new person after cancer,
0: you know, it, it took some time to kind of settle in um, and and realize that like, I did want more. What were your relationships aside from your marriage, but with your friends, with your family, like at that time?
1: I mean, I would say for the most part, it was 95% extremely good. Um, you do really take inventory of, you know, your friendships and, some people will surprise you and, you know, are the most amazing people um, and other people, you know, and, and maybe I had different expectations for different people, but, you know, some people let me down, you know, and, um, you know, offered things, but then didn't come through on it. And, it. and to me, it was like, really, it just was really disappointing. But, you know, I, I always try to focus on the positive and, you know, all the friends that I, I did have, Um, And like, even with my brother, so when my brother, my brother was living with me when my mom was diagnosed. And so um, there's a two age, two year age difference, but we really grew together, you know, as adults with my mom going through cancer. So when I was diagnosed, you know, he, he just always checked in, you know, and so I think it's that feeling of just taking care of people and looking after them and just like, Hey, how are you doing today? Um, that he was really amazing at, you know, and and he lived, you know, five hours from me, but it just didn't matter. Like, it was that feeling that people, you know, were just checking in. Um, And like my cousin, who lives in Michigan, uh, drove with my mom for my first chemo to be there, you know, so people really did, like, come and like, take time out of their day, you know, and and weekends, you know, to, to be there for me. Um, And my best friend, also from Michigan, um, you know, drove to Chicago with, you know, her six-month-old baby um, to be there after my surgery. So it's the the feelings um, of self-sacrifice, you know, that are just amazing. Um, And then it's the little things, too, you know, like it was the polar vortex. You know, my husband was still working. The last thing he wanted to do was, like, shovel the driveway, you know, and I couldn't do it. You know, so to have neighbors, like, just come and shovel the driveway you know, um, my, my boss's wife at the time, like she would take me to all kinds of chemo appointments. Um, because you, you know, you can't drive yourself. And when it's in the winter and it's so long and ongoing, like you need like a whole support system to really help you
0: through. So you had a huge social network and people that were wonderful. What would you, what advice would you give to someone who was newly diagnosed who's kind of finding the opposite that maybe people aren't does aren't there for them?
1: Yeah, it would be tough. Um, I would say a couple things like one social media can be amazing. So I, I have found that the Instagram network has just been a really positive community of people. And if you're not getting just like that emotional support, definitely, you know, find your social networks too, because there's so many people going through what you're going through and they can help you through. Um, another point too is, um, I, I started a blog and it gets so tiring to try to communicate with everybody. So you, you just don't have the energy or the time. Um, so I, I use Bridge site and just would post like a daily update. And, you know, if anyone was concerned or kind of, Can I help? You know, I would basically say, like, go to my bridge site. You know, this is where I post all of my updates. Um, Because sometimes people don't know what to do either. They don't know how to help. And that's part of, you know, my podcast, too, is just trying to be, trying to teach people a little bit more about empathy and what a cancer patient survivor does need.
0: A lot of people talk about how they don't want to be pitied, especially young women with breast cancer or any cancer. They talk about how they don't want to be viewed as sick. What are Mm -hmm. your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, that was big, um, this feeling of normal. And I remember a lot of different posts that I wrote. um, Like when I would go to my, you know, chemo appointments, like it was so important to me to have my tablet and to look at Pinterest and to look at eOnline and people. And just this feeling that, you know, I'm not just going for chemo, like maybe it's, you know, I don't know, like it was more of a social thing and, you know, hanging out with the nurses and, um, in the, in the like, but I will say, um, it, it's a struggle, right? Cause you're not who you think. I mean, I know that I would look in the mirror and the person looking back was not who I saw in my head. And, and that's a hard thing to, to wrap your head around, but You do have to find some normalcy, you know, the things that you like to do, but you also have to be accepting of the fact that you might change through all of this too. And what you liked might not be what you like coming out of it.
0: And what about body image? Yeah, I mean, I was
1: so fortunate to have my husband who definitely made me feel beautiful. Um, But it's a very emotional ride. I mean, I was, you know, 37 years old and... You know to come out of that surgery um with the double mastectomy i i remember that was actually the most emotional i think i got and i all i wanted to do was shower it was all i wanted to do i was so excited to take a shower and you know my my mom had been with me for a week and my best friend had been with me and they had you know the dust had kind of settled and i was okay and they went back home and i got the okay to take a shower and to see those bandages and to see myself, you know, all alone, you know, in in my bathroom, it was, you know, it was very, very emotional for me. Um, so that's like I, I actually came out and started writing a poem, just really raw and very, very tough time. Um, I mean, I felt with clothes, um, nobody would ever know what was happening underneath, but you do. It's a loss. You you don't look the way that you did going into it. So were you always a writer? Um, I would say that I did do some writing, you know, like in, like in junior high days. Um, so a very long time ago, um, obviously within college, I was more focused on business and, you know, writing presentations and a lot of reading. And I just didn't really have as much time to explore writing, but, um, it, you know, I remember like the first story that like came to my head when I was going through chemo and it just burned through me with this like passion. And like, I, if I didn't put pen to paper, like I literally felt like I would have died, you know? So it was like the oxygen that I breathed. It just led me to places that I hadn't really been, you know, prior to my cancer discovery. And then from there I felt, um, you know, I, I've taken all of my blogs and, you know, different posts and poems that I've written and that kind of helped to formulate, you know, my podcast, um, with, you know, kind of outlining my, my breast cancer journey.
0: And were you active on social media before all of this happened?
1: Um, I remember a friend encouraging me to do Instagram. So that really started, um, and, and I was not on Facebook at the time, too. So it really did kind of spur me into um, social media just to find um, a network. I had gone to a support group um, locally in Chicago, and it was an amazing group of women that um, But, you know, many of them were much older than me. And, you know, being 37, I was still facing a lot of, like, work-life balance. Um, I had just recently been married. And so I felt on Instagram I could connect with other people as well that were maybe going through similar situations that I was going through. Um, So it it was a really positive experience for me, um, you know, on Instagram and just this whole sisterhood that actually, um, you know, I've... I've met two of them in person um, and, you know, we
0: continue,
1: I just continue to build like my tribe, you know, so it's, it's this amazing experience of sisterhood that I've found.
0: That's really cool to have the people that you've, you know, connect with now in real life. How do you go about doing it? So let's say you, you're have you're newly diagnosed with breast cancer. You want to connect with people online and you really have no clue about how social media works. Like, where do you start? You just, is there hashtags? Like, what do you do?
1: Yeah, I've, I've actually found for my um, podcast, and I didn't really do this when, you know, I was first diagnosed, but um, I definitely find that the hashtag breast cancer, um, that alone will definitely put you in contact. And then I would say that there's a lot of... Um, influencers. Um so there's just people who, you know, have a lot of followers and you know have made a difference in the world. Um um and so I've kind of met you know followed them and then through that met other people. And you know, I I think you can kind of choose your tribe too, you know. So I try to find people who are really positive and like you know want to make a difference and you know have nice things to say about each people, because, you know, I just believe we've been through a lot, you know, and and I just want people's kindness. And so there's so many great pink sisters out there um, and people that just support breast cancer in general. And I, I definitely feel like I've surrounded myself with them.
0: You know the, the whole finding your tribe and surrounding yourself with positive people. There's a lot of not so positive people online. Uh, have you dealt with that at all?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I I think I'm really lucky to just, you know, my, my best friend, um, I remember telling her about, you know, one negative comment I got, you know, and and I'm really putting myself out there, you know, with my podcast, um, with a lot of my stories, you know, it's really, it's me, it's, you know, my personal journey and it's very raw at times, um, And I remember telling her, you know, one of the negative comments, um, about how one of my photos was propped or something, something ridiculous. And my friend just said to me, you know, but I bet you, you know, that's the one comment out of the, like a thousand that are good. And so, you know, you just kind of have to put it in into perspective. Um, so that was like really good sound advice. Like, you know, kind of reinstilling that, like, I am still making a difference and I can't worry about, you know, the one person I might offend. You know, I have to be me and I have to be genuine and and I got to keep it real. And so it, it was, you know, that helps me when I go forward, um, you know, to just keep it all grounded. And recently I got an email from a girl in New York City Um, I mean, I opened up this email and it was like screens and screens and screens long. And it was like, you know, she was basically just telling me that she has a very similar journey to mine and, you know, um, my podcast helped her through like a really tough time. And like, I just got tears in my eyes because like, that's, that's why I did it. That's why I started the whole thing, you know, and I just wanted to help one person, you know, and, and reading her email, I felt like I I did that, you know? And so there's just so many amazing examples of positive things happening, you know, through social media and the breast cancer community. And, you know, I I also, too, want to just shine a light on that.
0: I think it's wonderful how social media has really evolved to help so many people. And, you know, this community of breast cancer patients, I think years ago, you know, you were in your thirties diagnosed with breast cancer. You didn't really have anyone. And now you've got this amazing online community. That's just so welcoming.
1: Yeah. And, and I'm five years out. And so, you know, I want to be that inspiration to like what you can be after cancer, you know? So, um, and I think it was amazing for me, going through cancer, you know, some people were just, you know, three to four months ahead of me and could give me so many tips and tricks and all of that. Um, and, and so I try to, you know, give some of those tips and tricks back to people, um, you know, that are going through it or, you know, trying to figure out what does life mean after all of this, you know, just just some of that wisdom that you have from from the journey.
0: Of course. Any practical tips or tricks that you'd recommend? Yeah. I mean,
1: one thing I definitely say is like, take the help. Um, so you definitely want to be, I, I, you know, people want to be proud and they don't want to accept, you know, help, but you need the help. Um, so, so allow people to bring you over a meal, you know, allow people obviously to take you, um, to your appointments. um, I also tell people like the first, especially before the diagnosis, like really early on, you have to have somebody go with you to all your doctor appointments because it's just too much for you to like try to try to even realize what's going on. So you need a note taker and someone who can like really help, um, you know, just kind of keep the situation in check. Um, because it's just too emotional for you as the patient at the beginning. Um, I also believe in like tea tree oil, like with all of the chemo. Um, I applied that to my nails along with like Sally Henson um, hard as nails. Um, I also believe in like the healing like inside as well as outside. So like I would, in addition to the medication that they provided for, like, radiation, I would also, um, like, buy aloe plants, put aloe plants, like, also on the area of radiation, like, in, a, in conjunction with the medication that they provided. And then I would also drink um, aloe juice, too, that I just bought at, like, Trader Joe's because, you know, I mean, I think healing is inside as much as outside, too.
0: So let's talk a little bit about a a major issue that young women face. So fertility and early menopause. And can you share about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I had had issues with fertility, um, you know, even before my marriage. So for me, it was kind of a different situation. Um, But with being estrogen positive, I, you know, all the chemo and everything put me into menopause. And then all the medications I take afterwards, you know, keep me in menopause. Um, so the tamoxifen and the Zoladex, um, basically, you know, shut everything down. Um, so, you know, it's a difficult situation. Um, I experienced it, but I experienced it actually prior to cancer, um, where I didn't think like, you know, I was probably going to carry a child. And so, um, cancer kind of put that nail in the coffin. Um, but it, that wasn't, for me, probably the hardest, you know, aspect of going through it, because I kind of had faced that earlier in my 30s.
0: That probably changes the game a little bit, if you already had been thinking about that. What about early menopause with the Zolodex? Oh, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's like a whole,
1: that's a whole episode right there, um, you know, I will give the tip of dressing in layers. Um, you, you know, the amount of hot flashes and you know, there's just some mornings like between the hairdryer, the hot coffee, and just the room temperature setting that it's just like it's it's Ooh. so overwhelming. Um, I don't feel like I'm as bad as some of my you know friends that like have to carry around like a personal fan, but um, it's. It's just it can be really uncomfortable. Um I feel that I've settled into it, but definitely, you know, I I just try to dress smarter and dress in layers because, you know, even with um if I get stressed or kind of thinking about something or embarrassed, I feel like I get really, really warm. Um and that's kind of different than, you know, prior to cancer.
0: Now did those symptoms get better as the years go on with the Zoladex and tamoxifen? Yeah, I would say
1: Um, when I first started on tamoxifen, it, I just felt like I had the worst PMS like ever. Um, and I'm just kind of a chill person. So it was kind of like difficult, like who is this new raging hormone person? Um, but I think over time it just kind of settled in and, and I actually felt like when I started my Zolodex shot that. I thought it may be tempered, you know, the tamoxifen, but I've had conversations, you know, with different medical people and they thought, you know, it, it might have, but it also might just be that I'm further and further into menopause too. So it might not be anything with the Zoladex shot, but for me, I, I feel like I, it's normal now, you know, and I don't really have too many side effects if any, other than just, you know, some minor discomfort hot flashes, but, um, I, I feel pretty fortunate
0: actually and what about weight gain everyone always brings this up
1: yes and i for a while <laughs> kind of used that as a crutch and you know definitely um allowed that to be a reason and i i agree that it is much harder to lose weight when you know your body is being thrown into menopause so i think you have to work that much harder um i probably gained I would say about 20 pounds, 15 to 20 pounds after, um, you know, going through all of my cancer. And part of it was just, you know, I wanted to eat again. I wanted to, um, you know, enjoy life, you know? And so then you're also, you know, wanting to enjoy food and then, you know, you're thrown into this menopause, but I took, you know, I, I basically at one point said, you know, I have to be accountable to my body. And I know that for reoccurrence, you know, as well, Mm -hmm. like I have to get my weight in check and, and be healthy. So that was a really conscious effort that I made about, um, I would say about two years ago. And, and I've been very, very diligent from that. Um, so I, I just made some diet changes. Um, for me, sugar doesn't seem to like help my metabolism. Um, so I've just, you know, much more plant-based, much less refined sugar. Um, and then just a lot of, a lot more exercise and activity. And so for me, I feel like it was, um, you know, I, am back to kind of who I was before. It just took a lot more work to get there.
0: Now, were you doing plant-based, less refined sugar before the diagnosis?
1: No, no, I wouldn't. I (laughs) I mean, I I felt, I felt like I would eat more about calories and Mm -hmm. worry more that. Um, but I, I think, I think of food differently now. Um, I think of it definitely as fuel, you know, and, you know, you can go to a gas station and put, you know, just regular unleaded fuel in your tank and yes, your car will go, but you can also put, you know, super premium and your car will go a lot more efficiently and faster. And, you know, that's how I consider food now. Um, you know, I, I, still, you know, like to eat what I want to eat and try different things and experience the world and, and, different, you know, food, but I also, you know, on a day in and day out basis, try to be much more mindful of, of that fuel that I'm putting in my body.
0: I think that's a great way of looking at food and nutrition and what you're putting into your body in general. Can you talk about what an average day of food and meals looks like for you?
1: I typically eat oatmeal every, um, breakfast, um, and I add fruit to it and I add cinnamon and I don't even add like any, you know, brown sugar. Um, I do almond milk, um, just because a lot of milks do contain, you know, sugars. Um, so I try to, you know, have a healthy breakfast, um, on the weekends. It's sometimes, you know, like something with eggs, um, uh, which I try to get like cage free and, and more organic, um, options. And then, um, for lunch, I do, um, my work, my work that I work at now has like a really great salad bar. Um, so I do salad and then I do, um, like balsamic vinaigrette and olive oil and like just kind of mix that myself, um, rather than, you know, like a ranch or something else. Because again, you know, all the sauces that are out there do have a lot of sugars. And so you just have to be really mindful of, of everything that you're putting into your body, um and then for dinner I try to eat, you know, just some lean protein and, you know, definitely including vegetables like in every meal.
0: Thanks for sharing that. Can you talk about if you had any pet peeves while going through cancer treatment and then afterwards?
1: Yeah, I think for pet peeves um it's just kind of people not showing up. We kind of alluded to like friendships and different things and And there are definitely people um, who came to the table and like helped so much and were amazing. But then there were other people who, you know, said they were going to do something and and did not. Or, um, you know, I just didn't feel like they were checking in on me, you know. And so that's kind of tough, you know, especially when you feel like you're, you know, mortal and you're not Mm -hmm. sure if you're, you know like what your prognosis is you know you just want people to check in on you so that's kind of my empathy you know thing that i talk about mm-hmm. a lot on my podcast is just you know just checking in with people like hey how are you doing today like i don't need you know a whole dissertation on you know what's all going on and and everything but you know just letting people know that you care about them is is all that they're really wanting for
0: what advice do you have for someone who is newly diagnosed
1: Um, you know, I I think you have to be your own advocate. And if something doesn't feel right um, with a doctor, like you, you have, you have to go find some other options. Um, And I definitely had what I consider a dream team. I mean, I, I loved all of my doctors. It's
0: very important to have one advocate for yourself and only, you know, what's right for you or not. So if you don't have a good gut feeling, you have to go somewhere and find someone where you do. Do you Um, have any fears of the future, fears of recurrence? Yes. Yes, definitely. Um,
1: You know, I try not to let it overrule my life, you know, so I still try to live my life, but it's, it's always there. It's like in that back corner, you know, and this past summer, um, one of my dear friends from my support group um, passed away and she left behind like a daughter in college. And, you know, it was, Mm -hmm her passing just really rocked my world. Like it just really, really, you know, was really hard. Um, and, and she's actually who I, you know, dedicated my whole season one, to of my podcast. And, you know, I was always intending to do a podcast, but with her passing, it just really lit a fire under me, you know, and I, I went through cancer. I know that life, you know, you have to live each day. You don't know how much time you have, you know, I, I know all of those things, but it really lit a fire under me that like, if there's something I intend to do, like I need to do it, you know? And so that's, what's kind of inspired me, you know, to do it and to, you know, reach out to so many people and to make a difference because you just don't, you don't know how, you know, finite your life is. And, you know,
0: it, it's definitely challenging. Thank you for sharing that and for being open and sharing your journey with everyone. Thank you. One last question. If you could sum this up in one word, what would you say? I've often said sisterhood. Um, to me it's, you know, and and
1: I've heard the phrase, like it's a club that you don't want to join, but it's an amazing club of, of, of people. Mm -hmm. Um, and with breast cancer, obviously it's mainly women, but, um, it's just really been this sisterhood of people that support one another and love one another and help one another through. And, um, it, you just really, really find out some amazing friends and, um, and, and pink sisters out there that like, they literally would do anything for you. Um, so I, I mentioned that I met, you know, some on Instagram and, you know, we, we actually met up, um, about a year and a half ago in New York for an Avon 39 walk. And two of us did the walk and another one wasn't able to do the walk, but she like joined us for a bridge and we did a bridge together in New York. And it was just like a really emotional and amazing time. Um, and then we're just so active and like, you know, just such friends, you know, like, um, on Instagram. And then we're actually meeting up this October, um, together to, to just kind of have fun and just, you know, sisters. And actually, I think I'm going to take my recording information and we're going to, we're going to record like a podcast together. Oh, that's great. Yeah. We're excited about that. And then I've met some other, um, podcasters too. And like, you know, we're talking about how can we make our voices louder, you know, together as women, we're, we're just problem solvers, you know? So I think every woman feels that with another woman's help, we can be so much better, you know, so much stronger than we are apart. And so I think it's just really taking that to a whole nother level. And just that sisterhood is so amazing.
0: That is wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing your story.
1: Thank you. It was awesome meeting you.
0: Thank you for listening to my conversation with Tina. If you want to learn more about her experience, go listen to her podcast, DJ Breast Cancer on iTunes, as well as follow her on Instagram at djbreastcancer. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and I have just one favor to ask. If you are loving the show and learning as much as I am from these incredible women, please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes, as that is the best way to grow the show. I am really excited to continue to share more cancer stories with you over the coming weeks and months. You can head on over to my Instagram and Twitter pages at Dr. Doplinsky for more podcast news and updates, as well as interludecancerstories.com for today's show notes. Thank you again for all of your support thus far, and I'll be back next week with another amazing guest.